You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. After moving to Colorado in 2006, Sam Sala began hiking and climbing Colorado's 14,000ers. He began volunteering with Paradox Sports in 2015 and now serves as the organization's program manager. Sam has received training and certifications as an AMGA single pitch instructor, as well as Knowles Wilderness First Aid. In his role, he works as an adaptive climbing initiative lead instructor and is the team manager for the Paradox Sports competitive adaptive climbing team. So let's chat with him. So Sam, um, before we jump right into uh, and launch right into um, ice, the, the the topic of ice climbing, I wanted to just learn a little bit more about about you and how you uh, came to Paradox. Uh, yeah, so um, I uh, I started uh, climbing in 2013, um, <clears throat> and in somewhere late 2013, 2014 ish, uh, I was at a local rock gym. Um, I still was, you know, uh, an infant to climbing, still super brand new to it. Didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, and I watched a guy in a wheelchair roll into the gym, tied in and just started going up the wall without using feet, without using legs, just campusing up the wall, using only his arms. Um, and I was just like, I don't know what I'm watching, but I have to learn more about whatever this is. This is amazing. Um, and I went, and uh, ended up sitting down with the gal who was running the Paradox Sports uh, program at the time um, and just chatted with her for about an hour that night, uh, decided to take some time to practice climbing to get, you know, get better at climbing so that I was an asset um, when I went to help out. And then, you know, about, you know, about a year later or so, uh, I went out and volunteered on my first uh, on my first outdoor program with them. Um, that was in 2015 and, uh, I've never looked back. I've just been, been hooked on the program ever since. And fortunately, a couple of years ago, I was able to hire on with them and, and, uh, I'm now the national program manager. I run all of the local Colorado programming, uh, all of our national trips to, you know, like Yosemite, Joshua Tree, Smith Rock. Um, we do some ice climbing in the Northeast, uh, and in Ure. Um, and, uh, it's been, it's been a pretty awesome pretty awesome way to make a living <laughs> indeed <laughs> and I, I know most people are familiar with um you know climbing you know because of climbing gyms or or think of it maybe as a as an a summer activity or a warmer month activity um what is the difference between you know what, what most people might consider traditional rock climbing and the and ice climbing um, well, you know, traditional rock climbing is, it's obviously climbing on cliffs made out of rocks. Um, ice climbing is a lot more, uh, ephemeral. Um, it definitely, it's, you know, it's season dependent and even in, even in the winter season, uh, it's very conditions dependent. So where you might be able to go climb rock any time of the year, if it's, you know, if it's warm enough or cool enough in the summer or winter, um, you can go climb on rock on ice. Uh, you don't always get you don't always get ice. Um, sometimes you'll, you know, we call it taking the tools for a walk. You'll take your ice axes and crampons and all the gear and you'll 
you'll go to wherever the ice should be. And sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. Um, <laughs> ice climbing's definitely, there's a little more, I don't know, it feels like a little more magic involved with it. Um, when you do get a really good piece of ice, especially out in the backcountry, it's just a, it's just a really special feeling. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> and, and is there a big difference in between or between like the, um, the actual climber and climbers? I mean, is there someone, I mean, do, like, if you like climbing, would you like both or do you have to have like <laughs> just a little something extra special to do ice climbing? Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the, the $64,000 question. Um, I know a lot of people, um, one of my really good friends, Aubrey, uh, she loves, loves, loves rock climbing. Uh, and when you say, Hey, do you want to go ice climbing? She looks at you like you're growing a second head. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of people who really, really love ice climbing. I'm, I'm one of the weirdos that likes ice climbing more than I like rock climbing. Um, there's just something, I don't know. The first time I tried ice climbing, I was just, I got, I got bit by the bug. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I love rock climbing. It's, it's one of my, you know, it's obviously it's part of what I do for a living. It's my main hobby. It's I, I absolutely love it, but ice is just, there's just something different about it. Um, I'd say as far as like the climber goes, um, if you can climb rock, you, you can climb ice, whether you'll enjoy it or not. It's, <laughs> that's a totally different experience. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what do you think it takes, you know, for a person to, to, um, you know, want to, want to be able to climb ice? Um, uh, I, <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, a lot of, a lot of us in the ice climbing community, we joke around, you know, you just, you have to be good at suffering. Um, you know, you go out, it's freezing cold. You may or may not be able to feel your hands. Um, there's, there's a lot more, um, I guess, uh, objective hazard with, with ice climbing. Um, you know, you've got, ice is being destroyed as you're climbing it. It's chipping away. It's falling. Sometimes big chunks fall down. Um, you're, you're literally climbing with ice axes and crampons. Like you've got, you know, one, one inch metal spikes strapped to your feet. Uh, you've got knives with handles in your hand. Like they, it's, it's a lot more, uh, hazardous. There's a lot more stuff that can kind of go wrong with it. Um, but the people who really like it, um, I don't know, the first time you swing into a piece of ice and you get a really good tool stick, it just, there's nothing quite like that feeling. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, a lot of us just really enjoy that, that aspect of, of kind of the unknown of it. Um, the, yeah, that, like that magical nature that I, that I mentioned earlier, you just, you just never know if you're going to get a good piece of ice or a bad piece of ice um, until you're there. And when you do get on it, it's just, it's one of the best feelings in the world. And not everybody, not everybody runs at that same speed. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. And so obviously you take folks out all the time that, who, uh, where it's their first time. Um, mm -hmm. what, what do you mentally need to have or mentally need to know, um, uh, before you go uh, on your first ice climb? Um, when I'm taking especially first timers out, uh, I typically try to give them a, a really uh, thorough packing list of here's here's what you want to wear. Here's the layering. This is, you know, the more physically comfortable you can keep yourself while you're ice climbing, the better off you 
will be with the mental side of it. Um, there's been a lot of times where I, you know, I was out and I didn't have the right pair of gloves for the condition. Um, and just having that different piece of gear would have made my experience a lot better. Um, and I just, I was just, you know, middle of the day, I was like, I'm not having fun. I'm going home. <laughs> um, so the mental side of it definitely comes. There's a lot that comes from the physical side of it that plays into that mental side. Um, and, you know, staying dry, staying warm are two of the biggest keys. Um, I also tell people, I harp on people to, to stay fed, you know, keep your calories up, um, stay hydrated, all of that stuff helps keep you warm. And that's really being, being warm is one of the biggest keys to staying, uh, engaged with ice climbing. As soon as you start getting cold and it's, it's just kind of miserable. Um, it's really easy to check out mentally and, and just not want to be there anymore and just not have a good time. Yeah, no, I totally, totally have been there in a couple of circumstances where, yeah, if you're cold, you're cold, you're not happy typically. Mm -hmm. And, and so you mentioned a packing list and I, I, that was a big question I had anyway, I'd love for you to kind of take us through, um, you know, maybe some of the basic, um, uh, items that someone would need either to own or to rent or to borrow, uh, you know, for, for such a, an expedition or, or, uh, activity. Yeah. So for single pitch ice climbing, um, like you would find at, you know, something somewhere like the URA ice park, um, they have a, a really nice front country. Um, it's kind of a, a big gorge in the middle of town. They sprinkle water over the edge of it throughout the winter and they build these giant ice walls. Um, so you're never really very far from town. It's a couple of minutes walk to, to downtown and, you know, you can go to a cookie shop and get hot chocolate and warm back up. Um, <laughs> but for a, for a basic packing list for a, you know, a single pitch day like that, um, obviously you need ice tools and crampons and, and some form of mountaineering boot. Um, typically you can rent those from uh, a lot of gear shops. Uh, you can also buy them. They are fairly expensive. Um, but uh, if you're if you're going to be doing a lot of ice climbing, um, having your own gear definitely is a is a plus. Um, in the long run, obviously, it saves you saves you the time and the hassle and the money um, from renting gear. But it also allows you to really dial in your exact fit and get super comfortable with the with the gear that you're going to be using on a daily basis. If you're always renting stuff, you may or may not get the same pair of boots you had last time. You may or may not get the same ice tools. And every time you go out, everything's going to feel a little bit different. Um, so owning your own gears really as a, a plus, um, that said, it is pretty expensive. Like the, the cost barrier to get into ice climbing can be a little bit high. Um, but there's definitely organizations out there that, that can help. And there's, you know, use gear pages and all that kind of stuff. Um, as far as, uh, climbing gear that isn't ice specific, um, having a rope is obviously needed, um, they make dry ropes, which have a, a dry treatment on them uh, that kind of repels water. That's a really important feature with, with ice climbing. You don't want a water-soaked rope. Um, a, it gets really heavy. B, if it's cold enough, that rope can freeze, essentially freeze solid, um, and it turns into like a extension extension cable. Like it just, it it's <laughs> really miserable to climb with um, and can actually be pretty dangerous because once a, a rope gets iced up, uh, it will typically behave a lot different in, in a belay device. Um, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, you really want to keep a rope dry, 
Um, ice screws, once you get into leading ice climbing, ice screws are, you know, necessary. That's how we protect the ice climb. Um, but they're not needed a hundred percent for just, you know, getting started and top roping. Um, if you can find, you know, like the URA ice park, it's a top accessed crag. Um, you walk up to the top, they have bolts at the top in the cliff. You build your anchor, throw a rope down and you just go down to the bottom and climb your heart out. Um, but yeah, once you start getting into lead climbing, then you then you start needing to worry about you know quick draws, ice screws, um, rappel gear. Uh, you, you start getting a little more involved with the gear list. Yeah, and you mentioned obviously um, <clears throat> that that the the barrier to, to entry is pretty high, particularly if you have to you know, buy your own equipment. So do you do you recommend if people are just given the the activity or sport a try? to rent their equipment the first time so that they're not, you know, like have this big investment. And if they don't like it, they're not, <laughs> they're not out that money. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, I work full-time for paradox sports. I also guide on the side for Denver mountain guiding uh, as a local guide company out here and we rent all the gear. So we have people that come into winter all the time and they've never ice climbed. They want to try it. Um, and when they when they sign up, basically they sign up for a day of climbing with us. We'll rent them the gear, or we'll lend them the gear that they need. Um, obviously, the clothes, the parkas, the, the rain shells, and all that stuff they kind of need to provide their own. But as far as the technical climbing gear, um, we we provide that. Most guide companies have a fleet of of rental gear or lender gear that they'll they'll give you um, if you just want to give it a shot for a day. Yeah, and that's what we typically recommend for most adaptive sports too. Is that you know not to Correct. go out and buy buy <clears throat> a, a big piece of equipment or or make a big investment until you know you like that activity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did the opposite. I uh, I went out and a buddy of mine was like, "Hey, do you want to try ice climbing?" I was like, "Sure," and I went out and just bought all the stuff like an idiot and uh, got on and and fortunately loved it um, and haven't looked back but uh <laughs> yeah i took a i took a pretty big risk with a very healthy purchase of stuff before i ever touched ice and uh, fortunately it worked out in my favor and and you mentioned the the crampons and the the um you know ice pick or axe um and a, speci a specialized mountaineering boot right mm -hmm. and and what other you know, just in terms of warm weather gear, you know, since you're outdoor in the elements, what other things would um, uh, someone need to make sure that they have, uh, you know, in terms of warm weather gear? Yeah. Um, so I find a lot of people come to ice climbing who have, they have some ski experience. Um, and typically, whatever you would wear for skiing will usually work pretty well for ice climbing. Um, so synthetic layers you don't want uh you don't want to wear a bunch of cotton um you definitely don't want to climb in jeans you see a lot of people skiing in jeans um you, you can but once they get cold and they freeze up uh it's going to be a pretty pretty miserable time so you know a, a water repellent water resistant jacket and and pants are really good you know like a shell pant um soft shell hard shell doesn't particularly matter uh you want some good base layering um like the grid fleece style uh, <clears throat> base layering or, or long johns, long underwear, whatever you want to wear underneath the pants, um, just to kind of add that little bit of extra insulation. Um, synthetic socks are really, really key. Uh, a lot of people go out and they wear, they'll just wear regular cotton socks and their feet get wet um, and freezing cold. And once your feet 
once your feet go bad, it's really hard to recover um, mm -hmm. the rest of the day. So I, I recommend people bring, you know, two pairs of, of synthetic socks um, and just keep one pair in your backpack just in case your feet get wet. You can pop your boots off, swap socks, and typically you'll, you'll have a little better time. Um, and then for hats, uh, you know, a regular beanie, something that fits underneath a helmet, um, is really key. Um, having a helmet is absolutely necessary, like 100%. No, no, no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, you have to wear a helmet ice climbing. Um, so yeah, you want a beanie or some sort of hat that fits on underneath the helmet that doesn't make the helmet fit weird. Um, and then, you know, whatever, whatever puffy layers, over layers, big parkas you want to keep yourself warm. Um, as far as gloves go, uh, I typically recommend two, two pairs of gloves. You want one pair that's on the thinner side that has, you know, you have a lot of dexterity with it and that's going to be what you're actually climbing in. And then you have a thicker pair, either double gloves or just like a real big, robust pair of ski gloves. Uh, and that's what you'll be, uh, belaying in or just kind of hanging out in, um, you want that dexterity while you're climbing so that you can really hang on to your tools. Um, you can clip things, unclip things easily. It helps you tie in a little easier. Uh, and then the big gloves, obviously, just keep your hands warm. Um, and you can use the little shake and bake hand warmer packets. You can throw those down inside your big gloves, keep them warm. Um, I tell people to stuff them inside their, like, inside their upper layers, like in your armpit. Uh, I call it the gloving. Um, keeps your gloves warm. Um, the warmer they stay, typically the drier they stay, and the happier you be. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and um you mentioned uh you know belay a little bit for those that just aren't familiar with you know what that is or what that means uh talk a little bit about the belay system and the importance that, that it has with safety so yeah belaying is um you know climbing is a is a partnered sport um you have a climber up on the wall tied to a rope and you have a belayer on the ground who is tied to the other end of that rope um and they're running the rope through a belay device it's typically um there's there's a lot of different styles of belay devices um but basically it is a a piece of equipment that applies force on the rope um you hold on to one half of the rope that's it's called the brake strand it runs through the belay device up to your climber and if they fall um you holding on to that brake strand uh the device kind of applies pressure to the rope in in one way or another um and stops the fall uh, and that's a, a really important piece of climbing in general but ice climbing um there are kind of specific belay devices that you want to use during different conditions. Um, if it's really cold and wet, you want to use one style. If it's warmer and dry, you can use a different style. Um, uh, but the, yeah, the belay is a really important piece. Um, so typically on a top rope belay, the, the climber will be tied into the rope. The rope goes up to an anchor at the top of the climb and then goes back down to the belayer. And the belayer's job is to just kind of pull slack out of the system. They pull the slack through the belay device. So if the climber falls, they don't actually fall. They just kind of dangle on the end of the rope. Um, if you're, if you're maintaining the slack, right, you just, you just dangle. Um, if you're lead climbing, the belayer is actually feeding rope up to the climber as they're climbing, uh, which results in a, in a bigger fall. Um, but ideally you're still, you know, maintaining some level of safety with the, with the belay, um, in ice climbing that said ice climbing, the number one rule in ice climbing is the leader shall not fall. So if you are leading in ice climbing, uh, you, you approach every single climb as if it is a no fall climb. 
Uh, and mm-hmm. if you're if you're climbing, you know, above your pay grade, outside your comfort zone, um, it might be time to you know have a, a good honest conversation with yourself. And see a lot of people rushing into it, and might be time to to <laughs> step it down a notch and just practice getting really fundamentally solid um, on easier ice before you start getting into stuff that you're potentially going to fall off of. So, so essentially the, the partner partnership element of the sport and the belay um, alleviate some of the fear or concerns, obviously of, of maybe a, uh, someone that's new to climbing because they, they get, they can feel like they, they trust um, and have some safety and security um, if they do kind of slip or if they do, uh, if they, if they don't stick the ax, you know, the first time or something, right? Correct. Yeah. And you mentioned so that's one safety element, and you also mentioned a helmet um, as a safety element. Of course, uh, as you mentioned, helmets are essentially required, uh, or is a required component of of ice climbing. What what other safety elements are are mixed into um, an actual climb? Um, so, as far as you know, gear safety. Um, if you're if you're running on a top rope anchor, you want that anchor to be really robust. Um, you want it to be tied in in a proper fashion. You want it to be solid. Um, that anchor has to be solid. Lives are literally hanging on it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So that's you know, as far as gear safety goes, um, you want your gear to be in good condition. Your rope to not have any core shots or like real weird uh, chunks taken out of it. You want that rope to be in good shape. Um, all of your gear, you should just inspect it periodically, make sure it's functioning well. Um, but as far as the objective hazard goes with ice climbing, that's where you really want to, you really want to dial it in. Um, having back anchors for belayers to be tied to so that they don't get pulled forward if the climber falls, um, and they can kind of stay back out of the ice fall zone. Um, when you're climbing, uh, if you're super, super, super careful, you can climb ice without sending too, too much down, but you're still going to get little chips. There's little, you know, essentially like ice pebbles that come down, mm-hmm. but ice definitely fractures. Um, if you swing at it in the wrong way or you hit it in the wrong spot, or if it's just, you know, a bad chunk of ice, you can send massive chunks of ice down. I've seen people get hit with, you know, like microwave sized blocks of ice and mm-hmm. have some really traumatic injuries and really bad day, um, out of the, you know, out on the ice. Um, so knowing how and, and where to swing at ice is a really crucial key to it. Um, positioning your belayer to where they're out of the, out of the way, keeping other people out of the way, um, of the ice fall zone is really key. Um, you know, you see a lot of people with dogs at the crag, uh, out rock climbing, um, ice climbing. In my opinion, there's zero place for dogs there. Um, they don't know to stay out of the ice fall zone. Uh, there's people walking around with crampons. You can step on them. Like it's just a, it's just a bad space for, for dogs. So that's another really important thing. I tell people a lot. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of objective hazard. Um, and then obviously making sure people are staying warm enough that you're, you know, you're not numbing your hands or your feet out too badly. Um, if it's super, super cold, you want to make sure you're keeping your nose and your, your cheeks covered so you don't get wind or, or, you know, frost nipped on that. Um, if it's really, really sunny or if it's warm, you want to make sure you're wearing a lot of sunscreen because the ice actually acts as like a reflector. Um, mm-hmm. and so you can burn, like I burned the roof of my mouth, um, climbing up on uh, Mount Rainier a, a number of years ago. Um, <laughs> just, 
wasn't thinking about it and walking around with your mouth open, breathing heavy and, and, uh, the snow reflecting the sun up in, and I actually blistered the roof <laughs> of my mouth. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's a lot of weird stuff like that, that you have to kind of keep in mind. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't happen very often. Does it? <laughs> no, no, it was, uh, it was a, it was a surprise to me and not a, not a fun one. And uh, so what kind of training is involved? Like if you're taking a group out, um, through, through paradox and uh, you have a bunch of new folks, you, you mentioned obviously swinging, knowing where and how to swing the X. How do you, how do you instruct that to, to new climbers? Um, so for new climbers in general, um, I'll do kind of a quick demonstration at the base of the ice. I'll point out different features of what to what to swing for, what to not swing at, um, just kind of like do's and don'ts down at the base. Uh, I'll demonstrate some really basic technique. Um, in the case of going out with Paradox athletes, um, Sometimes we go out with wheelchair users. We'll go out with uh, VI athletes or, or you know, blind climbers who can't see that um, that visual demonstration at the beginning. Um, so what I'll do is I'll I'll help them kind of walk through um, placing their tools and feeling for what uh, what to swing at. Uh, and we we kind of approach it a little bit differently with especially with a VI climber. Um, ice climbing actually lends itself really well to blind climbing. Um, because there's not a there's not a set route. You don't have to you don't have to find the proper hold to climb. Um, you get to make your own holds and you get to make your own feet placement uh, wherever you want. Um, so it's a it lends itself really well. But there's you know some things that you just kind of have to keep in mind um, as far as objective hazard goes. That's a that's actually a a, a question I had is in terms of how how <laughs> ice climbing is adapted to different disabilities and so. Um, you know, how, how does someone who might have a spinal cord injury have the opportunity to go ice, ice, ice uh, I mean, how does, how does someone with either an up, other, you know, an upper, um, upper limb or, or lower limb, um, missing, how, how do they adapt to be able to ice climb? Um, yeah. So the, one of the things I really, really like about, uh, ice climbing is it's, it's, it's a little bit of an equalizer because um, literally everybody that ice climbs is adaptive, right? You can't, nobody, nobody in the world can climb ice without having specialized equipment. You have to have crampons, you have to have ice tools. Um, you, you have to have that stuff in general just to climb ice. So everybody becomes a little bit of an adaptive athlete. Um, that said with, with, uh, certain specific disabilities, um, with, you know, a missing limb, lower limbs are pretty, pretty easy to work around. Um, we have climbing, climbing feet. Um, it's essentially like the front half of a crampon, um, that we have, uh, the, the little pyramid shaped, um, mount that goes on the bottom of a, of a pylon. Um, so people can typically, as long as they have a pylon and, uh, if they have a walking foot that mounts to the bottom of that pylon, we just swap out the, the walking foot for the climbing foot. Um, and they can go up and climb ice, uh, with, with very to, you know, very little to no, um, difference in performance. Um, as far as an upper limb difference goes, some people have prosthetics, um, my friend Kimber has a carbon fiber ice axe arm um, that is super rad. Um, 
and it was custom made by her, by her prosthetist. Um, and she can climb ice really, really well on it. Uh, another one of my friends, Mo climbs, she is missing a hand. She climbs, um, using the two, two tools, but instead of having a, a prosthetic tool, she just kind of hooks her, hooks her, uh, forearm on whatever tool she has placed, grabs the other tool with the hand that she has swings. And she just kind of repeats that motion. Um, so some people climb with prosthetics, some people don't, um, VI climbers, they just climb ice like anybody else would, um, just a little bit more feel rather than being able to, you know, see what they're doing. Um, as far as uh, an SCI spinal cord injury, um, there there are a, a handful of different techniques that we use. Um, sometimes we'll have somebody on a fixed line climbing alongside them, kind of helping them out um, if they want to have uh, you know a different body position and they can't and they can't get themselves into that position. We can kind of uh, move them around a little bit. Um, but for <clears throat> for SCI. Um, ice climbing, I try to put people on, on steeper ice, um, like the really vertical ice. Uh, it's a lot more physically demanding to climb that, but it allows them to essentially campus up the, up the ice without dragging their body, their legs across a slab of ice. Um, it helps keep them a little more warm. It helps them keep them a little, a little more dry. Um, and I find people just have a, a much better experience, um, not, slab climbing. Um, and then there's some people I'll start them out on slab because it typically is a little bit technically easier. Um, it allows them to kind of refine their technique a little bit, and then we'll put them on steeper ice to give them a, a bigger challenge later in the day. And I think you mentioned two terms or, or, or components that the climbing that may, people may not be familiar with. So can you, t can you tell me, first of all, what a pitch is, um, and, and, a, and then the that and the, and the slab as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, a pitch of climbing is basically a, a length of rope that you're, that you're going to be climbing. Um, so if you're climbing a single pitch, it means you're climbing from the ground up to a top point and you're returning to the ground, um, typically on the same rope. Uh, it's usually a single rope. Um, there's a lot of ropes that they come in different lengths, but a really typical rope size is a 60 meter rope. So about 200 feet. Um, so if you think about going to the top and coming back down, uh, that pitch would be, uh, it would be a hundred foot tall maximum on that rope. Um, so you can climb, you know, anywhere from 40 feet to 120, 130 feet, um, typically with a single pitch, depending on what rope size you have. Um, slab climbing is when the climbing is less than vertical. Um, so you'll have slab, which is where the, the, the rock or ice is less than vertical. You're kind of, it's just like a really, really super steep hill. Um, so you're going up that and then you have vertical, which is obviously vertical. <laughs> um, and then you have overhanging, which is where it actually kind of tips back a little bit. Um, so you're, you're essentially climbing, uh, you're climbing kind of backwards, if you will. Yeah. So, um, so, a uh, yeah, so the vertical is more like the straight down wall kind of concept. And then, you know, this, yeah, the slab is, is more of a, a lesser angle. Correct. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, if you're familiar with climbing gyms, most climbing gyms are that kind of vertical terrain. And then if you go into the gym and you see like the giant, the giant big overhung wall, it's usually right in the middle of the gym. Um, that's the overhanging section. Um, some gyms have slab climbs. Um, 
a lot don't um, just because slab climbing indoors takes up a lot of space. Um, mm -hmm. But oftentimes when you're outside, a lot of climbing uh, involves slab climbing. And so, um, Sam, what, what have I not asked you about that, that you think is important to, to convey to, to listeners and, and those that, that might be interested in, in ice climbing? Um, I think uh, I just like to, I'd love to reiterate that point that, um, ice climbing specifically is, it's a really awesome opportunity, um, to get adaptive athletes involved, um, in a, in a really unique, uh, piece of climbing. Um, you know, a lot of people rock climb, a lot of people gym climb, um, ice climbing is a, it's a very weird, <laughs> just kind of out there side sideshow of a sport. Um, but I find a lot of people really enjoy it. Um, like I said before, it, it lends itself really well to VI climbing. Um, so, you know, don't underestimate the, the power of ice climbing in the adaptive sports uh, realm. It's, it's been, the ice climbing trips are always one of our most popular trips. Um, our big year a trip, uh, every year we opened it up to about 40 people. Uh, and this last year it sold out in three and a half hours. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's by far my favorite trip every year. I love the year a trips more than anything. Um, it's just a really, really fun climbing time. Um, the town's super supportive. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, it's just, it's just a good time. <laughs> And and I I definitely want to make sure that people um, learn a little bit more about you know paradox sports in general. So if you uh, you want, want to share your website and any other information, so that if people are interested in connecting with with paradox, that they they can do so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so paradox sports, we are a Boulder, Colorado based uh, nonprofit. Uh, we run national trips kind of all around the country. Um, we do rock and ice climbing trips, uh, mountaineering trips. Um, if you want to get involved, um, our website is www.paradoxsports.org. Um, we have a full calendar of events, all of our national trips, our local meetups, um, some of our educational, the educational aspect is one of the things that kind of sets us apart. Um, we have a program called the ACI, which is the Adaptive Climbing Initiative, um, mm -hmm. where we travel around the country and teach different different gyms and facilities uh, how to basically how to do <laughs> adaptive climbing. Um, so a gym will hire us, we'll come in and train staff and we'll We'll give them the shopping list of all the equipment that they need, um, and we'll train them on how to use that equipment so that if somebody comes in that uh, needs some adaptive climbing technique, um, we're, we're trying to minimize the number of gyms in the world that that tell somebody, I don't know what to do with you, sorry. Uh, we want everybody to be able to climb. Um, climbing is for everybody, and it's a really important, uh, really important mission to me personally. <laughs> 